All right. Welcome, welcome back to Modern Lightworkers. It is time to stop hiding and start shining. This is your shine coach and host, Janet Bernstein. And as usual, I am back with another powerhouse guest. You guys are going to love her. Jenna Banks is a social entrepreneur, real estate investor, author, speaker, and self-love advocate. Against all odds, she pivoted from the self-loving survivor of a traumatic childhood and a nearly fatal suicide to be a fully empowered woman who knows her worth. Following her passion for entrepreneurship, she started a home-based business with just a GED, $400, and a laptop. I love that. She sold that business in 2019 for $500,000. Having achieved business success, she's now focused her mission to fulfill what she sees as her ultimate life's purpose, helping women embrace their value and power through self-love. Her upcoming book titled, I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love is available for pre-order now, and it's scheduled to be released on March 8, 2022. Which for those listening, you may not know this, it is International Women's Day. So I'm super excited to welcome Jenna to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Janet. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. So uh, I really just, I want to jump right into it and hear more about this book. So tell us what what, uh, inspired you to write this amazing book. Well, you know, my journey to self-love, I came to realize was a very long one. And, um, you know, I, as you mentioned in the bio, I came from a very traumatic history. I had a, uh, my father's home, which I lived in until the age of 14 was very strict and abusive. And I ended up leaving at 14. I, um, faced my fear, faced my, what I, Felt, felt was my oppressor and said, Hey, you know, this like I, life can't be worse than it is now. I, I just don't want to be here anymore. And he's like, well, where will you go? I said, well, I don't know. My mom's, I was hoping my mother would take me in. I talked to her once a year. She wasn't really a mother figure to me, but I was just desperate. So she did. She said, sure, you could come stay with me. And I went to live with her, but man, I went from one horrible situation into another. She, uh, was mentally abusive. And uh, I was kicked out multiple times. The last time I was 16 and I was basically on my own since then. So I bounced around from friends' houses and neighbors' houses to my grandmother's house. And eventually, uh, you know, I I was bouncing around to too many different high schools. I couldn't even stay focused on school. Right. So I ended up, uh, and I had to work full time to support myself at that age. So I ended up getting my GED. And, um, at that time I ended up uh, very suicidal and we talked about this a little bit earlier about, you know, that whole thing. And I was in that phase. I was very suicidal. I did not want to live and I just had a death wish. And so I had multiple attempts. The last time I would have been successful. I took a whole bottle of pills, landed in the hospital in a coma. They pumped my stomach and, um, I survived that. Um, and then, you know, I have to say, 
I just decided at that point, you know what, if I'm going to be alive, as long as I'm alive, I might as well live life to the fullest, right? And go for whatever it is I want to go for. So I kind of just started going for the jobs I wanted, you know, not letting my lack of education hold me back. Um, I did end up getting pregnant at 14, or sorry, 14, 19. Let me say, rephrase that. Mm. I was pregnant at 19, married at 19, moved uh, to the Netherlands, uh, ended up back in the States at 22, divorced at 22. Now I'm a single mom. So it really was that the inspiration for the book came because I realized all those times that I had to choose myself and make my happiness my priority. It was slowly creeping out of this place of self-loathing and like no sense of value at all to saying, you know what, I'm going to pursue what makes me happy. This is not making me happy. I'm pretty miserable in this situation. Let me just get out of that and go somewhere else and do what else I think might make me happy. And always doing that paid off. It was a very long journey, but choosing myself, even in a place of being in a marriage of convenience where I could just say, oh, you know, I've got a a young son now. Maybe I just stay married because it'd be easier with someone else to raise the kid together and all of that. I was like, no, I, life is too short to be miserable. I've been there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle for being miserable anymore Um, to, you know, jobs and choosing myself at work and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm worth more than I'm getting paid and learning to stand up for myself and realize my own sense of value and worth was a battle. And I kept, I just kept at it. And every time I did, I would feel I'd feel more energized. I'd feel more worthy. I'd feel more powerful. And um, yeah. And so all the way till the point where, you know, it wasn't that long ago. This is before the pandemic. I go to dinner with a friend of mine shortly after I broke up with a guy I was seeing for about uh, five months. And I was really, really, really in love with him. And, uh, and yet I wasn't getting what I needed. I I didn't feel valued in that relationship. Um, I gave it all I had, but he really didn't seem to be capable of giving me what I needed to feel valued. And like, I, like I was, um, yeah, appreciated. And so I chose myself and I said, goodbye. I said, you know, this isn't going to work, but I broke my heart in the process, right? I was still very in love with this guy. So I go to dinner with my friend. We're three weeks after the breakup, but she's like, Jenna, like, why are, if you're still so heartbroken, why won't you get back with him? I don't understand. And I'm like, well, I love me more. For me, it made a lot of sense, right? Well, I love myself more than I love him. I'm going to choose myself and I'd rather break my own heart and suffer with those temporary consequences than be in a lifetime of anguish with somebody that I'm not going to get what I need. She's like, I don't understand. And she couldn't get it. And I was like, what do you mean? You don't understand. I don't, I don't understand how you don't understand. So she asked, she kept asking me questions and I was, you know, telling her my, how I came to be this way. And so I didn't realize this at the time, she went home and she thought about that what I told her over dinner, right? She's like, God, she's really trying to make sense of it because she loved him and she loved me where she was friends with both of us. And one day it clicked. It was like a few weeks later, she had this epiphany. This guy she had been seeing was not treating her right. She was always agonizing over like, does he like me? Does he not like me? How does he feel about me? It was 
more negative in her life than it was positive. Mm-hmm. And she finally, as she was processing my story and then realizing the situation with this guy and it clicked, she's like, oh my God, Jenna, I realized at that moment, I wasn't valuing myself by allowing this in my life. And it's not on him, right? It's not on him to change and meet her needs. It's on her to realize what her value is and if she's going to accept that or not. Mm. And she decided to choose herself in that moment of realization. And she's like, I'm done. And that gave her the power that it empowered her to make that decision and choose herself. And she never looked back a year later. She got an amazing relationship with a man who truly values her. Like she values herself. And yeah, sometimes you got to go through those tough times, but she went on to tell all her friends about it and they called it. I love me more. And I was like, wow. Okay. There's the, this is, this is powerful. Like I took for granted all the hard work that I had done to get to where I am today. But there are some people, even my own age, because she is my age, who have never even heard of the concept or thought of things in that way. And so she asked me, she's like, Jenna, I would really love to know the journey that took you took to get there. That would really help me out. And so I started thinking about it and journaling about it. And next thing you know, here we are. I have a book to launch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. Um, you know, we didn't, we talked briefly before, um, before we started this interview and I had no idea some of the, um, you know, the parallels in our lives. Um, you know, I also grew up in a very tumultuous household, um, bounced around a lot. Um, my mom suffers from a very severe mental illness, um, still to this day. Um, and I did write a book a few years ago, um, to sort of outline, you know, what I overcame. Um, but, uh, I honestly, I, I wasn't in a position to even understand what choosing myself meant, um, you know, until probably the last couple of years. Um, but, but I will say there was a lot of lessons I learned. Um, and for those listening, the book was Pete's on the floor. Um, it was, it was my first book I ever wrote. I often call it the, um, the most painful labor I ever endured. Um, and the baby I never want to look at, (laughs) um, because it was really hard to write. Um, and a lot of those, those memories that, you know, some of which I thought I had buried, um, you know, as I had to relive them and write them and share them, um, you know, they, they broke me all over again. Um, and, and I did have a lot of healing that took place, but it was also like being right back, you know, as like a 14 year old girl, you know, dealing with, um, you know, a, a parent who didn't want me and, and all sorts of that. So um, I'm, I'm just, I'm really blown away of how the universe just brings things together or God, whoever you believe in. Um, you know, I just love that, that you're here and that we're sharing some of these things, because I think that a lot of people are going to relate, um, you know, to, to overcoming really tough times to, to realize, you know, that there's more to it. Um, so as you were talking, it, it reminded me of this great quote by uh, Jim Rohn, And it said, um, we must be careful not to let our current appetites steal away any chance we might have for a future feast. And I really love that. I recently came across that quote and shared it a couple of places. um, And it had a lot of meaning to me in multiple reasons. um, But especially for those of us that are building businesses and, and, and trying to build a legacy, you know, sometimes it's really easy to get distracted and, and see like, what's the easy way or what's something I can do right now. Um, but 
if you think about it, like in terms of, of, you know, your relationship you were describing, you know, should, should you just say, well, he's nice enough or Mm -hmm. I should settle. Or we hear some of those, those things on social media, like you're too picky or whatever Uh it is. Um, You know, but, but if you think about it, I love the, um, I love me more, you know, it's, it, we should be taught at an early age that our needs and our values trump everything. And that, that if we're not having those met or we're not feeling like we're living in that realm, nothing is going to be good enough. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a huge realization that, gosh, I, I wish we all had learned a little earlier um, or, or even learning often, you know, I, I mean, I feel like as a 42 year old mom and grandma, you know, there are times where I have to ask myself, you know, am I doing this to please someone else? Or is this in alignment with who I am and what I want for my life? You know, and those are tough questions, you know, I mean, especially as a mom, but like, but even just as a woman, it sometimes these are really tough questions to say, I'm going to put my needs first. So, so how do we fix this? Like as women, how do we start putting our needs first? It's reframing how we feel about self-love because through my research and writing the book, I came to find out that what prevents most women from loving themselves is a fear of selfishness syndrome. Most women believe that if I love myself and put myself as my highest priority, it is selfish and it is narcissistic. Mm. And that is probably 98% of women out there. It's one of the biggest hurdles to self-love for most women. And what happens when we do try to break those patterns, those self-sacrificing patterns and those people-pleasing patterns, we feel guilty, Mm. right? And that discomfort of the feeling of guilt puts us right back into our lane of self-sacrificing and pleasing because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. And it's no different than really like, you know, you as an entrepreneur yourself know what it feels like to jump into the unknown and start a business and not know if it's going to fail or succeed. And it takes a lot of guts to do that. And you've got to face those fears, those imposter syndrome fears and all of that. It's no different than when you choose to go on a self-love journey that you haven't been on before. It can be really uncomfortable. And that guilt is really tough. Most women believe that, or most people believe that guilt is like you're breaking a moral code, like you're actually doing something wrong. Come to find out that's not the case in most cases. Guilt is an indication that you're breaking a pattern, like a conditioned behavior. And so that guilt just keeps you right back in your lane. And so when you know that, when you, when that was what I set out to do with the book was like, shine a light on these things that prevent us from self-love. It's one thing to know the ways in which we can love ourselves, but there was so much more work I had to do to show everyone how um, the things that prevent us from loving ourselves, I call them the saboteurs of self-love. And guilt is one of those things. It can really sabotage our ability to choose ourselves and make ourselves our highest priority. I will say on the other side of that though, is so beautiful. It is actually quite the opposite of what we've been told. We're told it's selfish or we're taught it's selfish. It actually is the most beautiful gift that you can give to yourself, your kids, your partner, your boss. Mm. When you love yourself more than anyone else, you're overflowing with love. 
for yourself. Once that overflow happens, you have way more love to give to everyone else. The opposite is what most of us deal with, which is coming home exhausted at the end of the day because we overgave, overgave, overgave to everyone and didn't give to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we're ornery, we're agitated, we're moody. We expect others to do for us like we do for them. We get resentful when mm. we don't get back what we give. If we're giving to ourselves first, it doesn't happen. We take responsibility for our own happiness. And we realize that us loving ourselves is the best love that we can get. Everything else is just icing. Mm. And, and I mean, gosh, can you imagine how, how powerful the world would be if all of us just loved ourselves and really showed up in that way. I mean, I, I often make those comments in my coaching practice and I'm like, oh my gosh, I see the potential. And I'm like, I see your bright light. I see what you're here. You're meant to do. And I'm like, like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if we all showed up and shined as brightly as we can, you know? And and I think about that from the same standpoint of of self-love. If we like I, there's a great quote out there and I'm probably messing it up because I, I have to write things down if I want to remember them exact, but it's something along the lines of like how many industries would go under if tomorrow women yes. woke up and just loved themselves. Oh like, can you imagine like the diet oh. culture, the, you know, oh. all, all these crazy things. What, what if we all just woke up and said, Oh my gosh, you know what? I love my curls yeah. and, and I like the shape of my lips yes. and I'm okay with my hair being straight or I don't need the fake eyelashes. <laughs> right? pretty. Yes. Thank I you. Mean, <laughs> like, can you imagine like, no, and for those listening, like I, I love my friends that sell some of these products and yes. If a woman wants to feel good and it means magnetic eyelashes, you go for it, girlfriend. Yes. You know, personally, I can't stand how they feel because I feel like something's like sitting on my eyelids. Um, but I know a lot of women that swear by them, but you do you. Um, however, I, what we're talking about is more of the toxic culture of you're not enough without I, this. Yeah. Tying your sense of self-worth into the yes. external appearances. You're never going to feel worthy. You're going to always be right. chasing all these external things, which has right. nothing to do with how you feel about yourself inside. Right. And that's where the self-love comes in. And it's not like, oh, I went to the spa and got my nails done or my hair done. Like that self-care. And it is important to take sure. care of yourself and to feel good about those things. But self-love is way deeper than that. Right. Deeper. Right. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of articles out there on self-love and self-care and, it, and it's all bubble baths and pedicures. Yeah. And, and I'm like, those things are great, but yeah. you know, I will tell you, like I, I'm, I have intuitive coaching background where I really worked with women on, um, on really deep seated reasons. And a lot of it is shadow work, you yeah. know, and it, it is really facing like the darkest parts, you know, of who you are and what you've overcome learning triggers, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out like, oh my gosh, every time this happens, I become this person and what, and what, are, what is the connecting factor? Um, because, you know, most, most people, especially women just don't realize that it's, as, it's as easy as cutting a thread. Um, you know, to, to just change that memory, to change that, that belief. Um, and so I think that, you know, what you're doing is, is obviously needed. Um, I think your book is, is incredibly timely. I think coming out of this crazy last couple of years, um, I think a lot of us, especially women have spent a lot of time asking, like, what do we really want? 
you know, do we want this job? Do we want this marriage? Do we, do we want these kids? (laughs) (laughs) I think you're stuck with those for a while. (laughs) I'm I'm keeping all of mine for now, (laughs) but, but I think that these are important questions to ask, like, where are we not feeling fulfilled, you know, but also not how does someone else fill it for us? Exactly. How do we fill our cups ourselves? Yeah, I'm all about like, you know, being whole as a whole person. Like I'm in a beautiful relationship now and he's more than I could have ever asked for, but I am adamant about keeping myself of practice strong and staying in that, that relationship, making that my highest priority because I want to be in this relationship as a person. Right. I don't rely on him as my other half. I don't believe in all of that. It's I'm a whole person and right. I make myself happy. You add to that, but I'm never going to now go, Oh, now I'm going to give you half my attention and make you responsible for half my happiness. And all of it just, it's not realistic. And it's not right. the way we are meant to really be on this earth anyway, yeah. but you mentioned something really important and that you mentioned the, the trauma work. I talk about that in the book because it's really important to heal your trauma. As you know, um, you know, I talked about my traumatic background. I thought just because I survived it and thrived despite that trauma that I was good. Right. I'm like, I'm all good. Come to find out, like you mentioned the triggers, I had some very old limiting beliefs from trauma caused by my mother um, that really prevented me from being in loving, healthy, healthy relationships, just old beliefs that were stuck in my mind that didn't allow me to usher that into my life. So I had to go back and heal those things and give myself that investment of my time and energy. And sometimes that's what that takes. Maybe you need to go to therapy or see a coach. In my case, I went to a relationship coach as well, but you're worth your investment and you're worth getting that healing because in order to truly like love yourself fully and be in a healthy situation, you've got to actually do the work and heal that old stuff. And the other thing that was pretty magical was, um, that I found was owning your story. Mm. So that's a big one. A lot of us have these stories, myself included. I put mine out there. It sounds like you did the same in your book. It was hard, right? So you go through all that again when you write about it. It was hard. I had many, many, many nights of crying, uh, rereading stuff. And then my editor would send it back and I'd have to cry reading it again. It was really hard to go through all that. But, you know, I'm I'm better for it in the end. And it was almost like going through therapy again. But, um, you know, putting my story out there is part of like me owning the story. One of the stories that I had to learn to really own that was holding me back from being my best self was my GED. You know, us talking about this openly is new for me. I I didn't start doing that until later in life. I hid from it for so long, trying to fit in with my friends who all had bachelor's or, you know, master's degrees, sometimes PhDs. Here I am, little old me with my GED. You can bet I definitely did not come out with that at all. I kind of hid that away. And, you know, just because I wasn't lying didn't mean I wasn't like denying part of myself. Self, you know, it's like, I'm not worthy is basically what I was saying to myself. I'm not worthy uh, because I am less than because I have a GED, which is not the case at all. Right. And it could be, you know, the same, you know, somebody might have something a little more severe, like they had served a prison sentence. I have a friend, I'll call her a friend. Now I had her on my show not too long ago. She served two years in 
maximum security prison. She lost custody of her daughter. She was addicted to meth. She was selling meth. That woman came out the other side and owned her story hard. And now she is speaking on the same topic at prisons all over the world. She's mm-hmm. a very successful entrepreneur. She got custody of her daughter back. Her She owned her life, but she owned that story. And yeah. the reverse could have been true too, right? She could have been like, oh, poor me. I'll never have a good job. I've got this felony on my record forever, like, and let that define her. Hmm. But instead she owned it. And I'll tell you, I love her. Her name is Jennifer Rogers. If anyone ever wants to tune into her, her story is phenomenal. Um, and she just basically started going into interviews and she's like, I'm just going to put this out on the table. I served two years in a maximum security prison. Uh, You know, I was addicted to drugs. I was selling drugs, but you know what? I am a different person now. I Mm -hmm. learned my lessons and I'm going to sell the heck out of your product or whatever she would say. And people wouldn't know what to say other than you're hired. I mean, to have that kind of confidence is pretty, pretty mind blowing. So, you know, we, you know, again, self-love is so much more than going to the spa. It's like giving ourselves the ability to love ourselves flaws and all. Mm -hmm. And when you do, you realize, you know what, at the end of the day, it's not really a flaw, actually. It's just part of my journey. And I have to love all of me, including all of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, owning your story, um, there's one thing that I, you know, I could really um, urge our listeners to do today is, is to own even the darkest parts of your story. Um, you know, I, and I would venture to say, and I've seen this in all of my coaching clients and anyone who's come to me over the years, you know, even just looking for encouragement, your biggest insecurity about either what you've gone through or struggled through, um, it actually is the key to where you want to go. Um, so, and and that, I mean, and when you really break that down, you know, you talk about only having a GED, um, you know, my story is very similar. You know, I, I went to 17 high schools. My mom was hospitalized my last year of school anyway. Um, I did end up graduating early, but, um, it, I, I was somehow given the ability to still get my diploma, but, um, but I didn't go on to college. You know, I, I moved out on my own. I had a baby at 18, Um, I became a very young single mom. Um, And for many years, you know, especially as I started um, getting into the networking world and and a lot of bigger corporate people, everyone was like, where did you go to school? And I'm like, um, I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, just different. Like, like I didn't know what to say. Like, and so what's funny is like the first couple of years, um, because I was a young um, corporate manager, you know, in the insurance world, that was what I did for 17 years. Um, before I started my my business and and did all this, um, which I you know I say all of this because it's it's literally evolved every year. But I was in these corporate conversations where everybody had a degree, um, you know, and I didn't. And at the first two years, I literally would just shy away, change the subject, and didn't know what to say. And then there was one day I was sitting down with a group of uh, of people um, who just brought up the topic of school. And actually, one of them, it was their their son, was saying that they didn't want to go to college. And so this um, this dad was sitting at the table. You know, we were all in like the break room, and he says, "My son says he doesn't want to go to college." And I'm trying to you know tell him that if he doesn't go to college, he's going to end up flipping burgers at McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. And I just looked at him and I said. 
well, I didn't go to college and uh, I think I make about the same amount as you and uh, we're both management, you know, and, and he just looked at me and his eyes got really big and he said, you don't have a degree. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> and then like someone else at the table, none of us had any idea. She perked up and she goes, I don't have a degree either. And all of a sudden, like it became this like kind of this revelation that there were several of us at the same level of management, all within the same salary, or, you know, probably close. Of course, as women, we were probably making less, but I'm not going right, to go right. there. I'm not going to go there. Seventy six cents on the dollar, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But but there was this realization that you know when you make a generalization about you know if you just get a GED or you do whatever, you you're actually not looking at like real people and real stories. And so what's funny is after that moment. Another person in the room who I didn't even know was in the room was like over there at the microwave or something came up to me in the hallway with tears in her eyes and said, oh my gosh, thank you for, for sharing what you did. And she's like, I had to drop out of school because my baby sister was born and I ended up taking care of her and this and that. And she said, um, I've always been so ashamed of that. And she goes, but she goes, I realized when you shared how far you've gotten without it, she goes, I realized how inspirational it is and that I need to be sharing that with other people. And I was like, heck yeah, you do. And this person was above me. So this person was, was even higher level um, over multiple offices. And she, and she was ashamed of the fact that she had dropped out of school. And so now that's become part of my, my message. Um, you know, just like in your, in in your bio that we read in the beginning, you know, started your business with a GED $400 and a laptop. Um, you know, I mean, I often talk about like, I, I, I had no experience except I was a young mom and I really just wanted to like blow the world away. And that's where I started. You know, and, and honestly, I'm very proud of like my, my daughter who went on to, to get a bachelor's degree because I didn't have that opportunity. Um, but that's not part of her self-worth and she, and she knows that her self-worth is, is separate from her degree. I'm very proud of the degree, but I'm even prouder of who she is. So I think that owning your story, I absolutely love it. I agree with you. Um, I can't wait for this book. So for those listening, it's coming out March 8th. Yeah, which is International Women's Day. Um, I know I'm definitely going to jump on that list and get a coffee. Um, so for those listening, you're going to have to check it out. I will make sure I link it um, in the notes here. Um, we're almost out of time, Jenna, but is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about anything you have going on or coming up? Uh, oh my goodness. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I actually have this really exciting event coming up on March 8th, International Women's Day. So if this airs before then, like the day before or the morning of, anyone listening can still get access, but if not, I invite you to still go to the website and get on the, the sign up list because we're going to have more of these events. So it's called powerful women. And that's F U L L as in full of our own power. Now mm-hmm. I like to say your love is your power. So this really is tied to self-love as well. And if you really think about it, we are raised as women to give our love or our power away to everybody else without really valuing it. 
And so we're learning how to value it now, but we've got to also give it back to ourselves. When we give it back to ourselves, we feel how good it feels and we put a higher value on that. And so we should want to be powerful as women, not the old school way of thinking of power. We tend to really think of power as a masculine trait, like a negative thing as in having power over others. But really what I'm talking about here is redefining what powerful is for a woman so we can strive to be powerful as in harnessing our own power for our own benefit, as well as the benefit of the world, as well as the benefit of everyone around us. So really just redefining what powerful is for a woman. And what we're going to do is we're having these roundtable talks with other powerful women who have done amazing things in their life and in their career. And we're going to talk just candidly about these things that we've had to overcome to get to where we've come and the things that power us up and also the things that disempower us and really just shed a light on these things so that we as women can really go into the world in a more powerful place. And that also includes self-love. So that is at powerful, F-U-L-L-Women.com. So I definitely invite you to come and sign up for the event if this airs in time and then to sign up for future events because these will be ongoing talks. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we will have to just make sure we get this thing out in time so that everybody can sign up. I love that. Thank you. But also, I just want to mention, if you want to touch base with me, jenna-banks.com is my website. That is where you'll find links to everything. Links to order my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, all that. Also, my social media links. I'm super, super active on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn. And it really, once you get the book, if you connect with me on social, you're going to get these really great reminders, you know, because it's one thing to, to read it and then, you know, to go on the journey. It's really helpful to have someone kind of holding your hand along the way and giving you some helpful tips and reminders. So that's what I like to do on my social. Absolutely. Well, we're going to make sure we link everything in the notes so that everybody can follow you. Um, absolutely love your mission. Love what you're doing. Um, I love your energy. Um, those listening, you can't see her, but I can see her on Zoom. And she is gorgeous inside and out and definitely shining her light. Um, so Jenna, thank you for being a modern light worker, And thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. You are so welcome. It was my honor. Um, Again, for those listening, we're going to link all of the good stuff about Jenna below and the links to her book and her powerful women, uh, which I absolutely love. Let's just reframe these things so that we can become more powerful and shine our lights because we were born to shine. So once again, thanks for joining us on Modern Lightworkers. It is time to stop hiding and start shining. Um, And until next time, um, we will talk to you later.